Well, for the first time since 2019, we were back racing in Montreal. Formula One returning to Canada for Grand Prix weekend, and they got a taste of what happened in Italy, Miami, Barcelona, Monaco, and Baku. A Red Bull victory, Max Verstappen winning the Canadian Grand Prix as he and the team extending their lead in the World Championship and also the Constructors' title. We're going to review the Canadian Grand Prix, go over all the 10 teams in our report card segment for the weekend in Montreal. Plus, we'll have top five and bottom five from Baku. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Deziri. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. We hope you do because we could use the help. Also, follow me on Twitter at Tony D Radio, and also you can find us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 Podcast. All right, so let's get started. It's another Grand Prix and another win for Max Verstappen. His sixth of the season. It's another victory for Red Bull Racing. They're sixth in a row. And we are a long way from Australia where Ferrari looked so dominant that people were even conceding the title to them after just three rounds. Good grief. Now he leads by 46 points in the championship and looking to cruise to another world title, even though we still have a lot of races remaining. But the Canadian Grand Prix gave us some good racing, some interesting developments with certain teams. So let's get started and go over how Max pulled this off in Montreal. It started on Saturday with rainy conditions for qualifying. And I have to admit, this was rather exciting because it created a very interesting and kind of a different grid for Sunday with a couple of storylines heading into the Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc started in the back after taking a new power unit. He had some failures in the past, including at Azerbaijan, and the team made a change, so it meant he would start P20. The two Canadian drivers, Nicholas Latifi and Lance Stroll, were side-by-side, but they were in the second-to-last row, P18 and P17. Sergio Perez had to start P13 after crashing during qualifying on Saturday in the wet. George Russell started eighth. He took a gamble on slick tires Saturday. That did not pay off, but but it was a great qualifying day for Haas. Mick Schumacher and Kevin Magnussen both in the top 10. Carlos Sainz qualified P3 just behind Fernando Alonso, who qualified on the front row in P2, much to the delight of the crowd in Montreal and a global audience as well. And of course, Max Verstappen started from pole position. All right, well, when the Grand Prix got started, Verstappen was able to jump out to the lead without really any challenge from Alonso, who was in second, because he didn't get a very good jump at the start. He was immediately challenged by Carlos Sainz, who passed him on lap three. Lewis Hamilton and Kevin Magnussen had some contact. K-Mag had some front wing damage. Haas said that there was not a lot of loss in the performance, but he eventually was told to come in and fix that with a black and orange flag. That ruined his race as he went to the pits in sixth place and came out near the back of the field. On lap eight, Sergio Perez suffered some mechanical issues. It was really too bad for Checo. Something in the transmission, he was out of the Grand Prix, and that brought out the virtual safety car, and Verstappen came in at that moment to get some fresh tires, as did Lewis Hamilton. That move gave Carlos Sainz the lead with Alonso behind him. Verstappen was in third on the hard tires. I got Alonso for your second place on lap 15, and that put him about five seconds behind Sainz. Meanwhile, in the back of the pack, Charles Leclerc with that new power unit making his way up through the field, had the car up to 11th with 20 laps on the board. And it was on lap 20 when another virtual safety car was out after Mick Schumacher had to retire from the Grand Prix with mechanical problems, which was too bad because he was running in the top 10 for the first part of this race. That guy cannot catch a break. I I really am starting to feel bad for him. I know I've been critical of him before when he's had two really, really big crashes that were very uh, costly for the team. 
I mean, thank God he was okay and all. But nevertheless, this wasn't his fault. He had a good qualifying on Saturday, and this this took him out of the Grand Prix. I mean, it was an absolute mess. Carlos Sainz did come in. He got a new fresh set of hard tires. He came out third behind Verstappen and Alonso. And Verstappen had 12 laps on his hard tires. Alonso, he was still riding on the mediums from the start of the race. So this was starting to look like a Verstappen signs battle with about 48 laps to go with both drivers on the hard tires. And it seemed like Verstappen, who had built up an eight-second lead over signs, was going to cruise to victory. Had a really nice lead if the Grand Prix stayed green. But then something started to happen. Like signs was starting to really cut into the lead. He got it down to six. And at that point, Verstappen and Red Bull decide, hey, you got to come in. Got to get some fresh tires. Because he was complaining he was losing grip. And Sainz was putting in some really good laps behind him to close that gap. So Verstappen was sent out from the pits. Good pit stop for Red Bull. However, they didn't time it just right because Verstappen ended up behind Lewis Hamilton, who was in second place at the time. Now, that didn't go over well for Max. And this was a huge break for Ferrari because they had signs up front and they had Hamilton between him and Verstappen. Now, look, even if Max is going to pass Lewis, which eventually you know he did once Hamilton was told to come in for tires, The time Max spends, any amount of time that Max spends behind Lewis is really good for Sainz up front. However, there is one problem. Sainz was on tires that were 23 laps older than what Verstappen had at that moment. Remember, Verstappen had come in for for fresh tires, complaining he was losing grip, and Sainz already had that one pit stop. Verstappen, though, behind him, was starting to come on strong. He put up the fastest lap. He was knocking down the intervals at 22 laps remaining on the board. Red Bull tells him to push, but he doesn't have to because on lap 49, Yuki Tsunoda went into the barrier after coming out of the pits with cold tires. That brings out the full safety car, not the virtual safety car, but the full safety car. And Carlos Sainz was told by Ferrari, box, get in, new tires. That puts Verstappen in the lead. Now, Sainz is right behind him on fresh tires. Now, there's six laps newer than Max. Would that make a difference down the stretch? Could Max hold off signs like Perez did at Monaco? But this is a different circuit. I mean, DRS is a really big deal here where DRS is practically non-existent at Monaco. So how was this going to be played out with just a handful of laps remaining? They were going to go green on lap 55. There was 15 laps on the, that were left, and it was a shootout to the finish. And Max did. Time and time again, Signs tried to get this thing close. Every time they came off that hairpin, every time, it was just... Not quite enough to close that gap. You kept seeing it every time. They come off the hairpin. Oh, it'd be tight. It'd be tight. DRS is open. Ah, just can't get it. And here's the thing. You're not going to outbreak Max Verstappen into the corners. So as you try to get some momentum off the corners to really tighten that gap so DRS is effective for the overtake, you're just not going to do it against Verstappen. He's the best in the business at that. So Sainz just found himself a few ticks back, just enough, where even with DRS, it wasn't enough to overtake overtake the Red Bull and it becomes a victory for Max Verstappen and once again another win for the team it was the team's sixth in a row so this definitely had a very exciting finish it was sort of an edge of your seat last 15 laps especially the last last 10 really because when they go green the DRS isn't enabled until about two laps in and so 
you, you really, I mean, the last 10 laps for me when DRS was going to be a factor, that's when I was on the edge of my seat. Verstappen wins the Canadian Grand Prix. Carlos Sainz finishes second. And guess who's back on the podium? Lewis Hamilton. The first time we've seen him on the podium since the season opener in Bahrain. Charles Leclerc rounding out the top five just behind George Russell, who once again, and I keep saying this every single podcast, stop me if you've heard this before, Mr. Consistent with another top five finish. So as far as the Canadian Grand Prix went, and again, we hadn't had one since 2019, so there's a lot of emotion that is attached to this race, given its return after such a long layoff due to the pandemic. But nevertheless, I think it did deliver, and it delivered the entire weekend. I mean, whether it was Friday's practice that didn't go well for Lewis Hamilton, who really responded very well in qualifying and then in the Grand Prix getting a podium finish, to the wet weather qualifying on Saturday, which is wide open, anything can happen, surprising. Uh, Fernando Alonso is a P2. He's going to be on the front row of the grid. Uh, there's so much to like about this weekend. I think its return was great, but also this championship is now getting a little out of hand because Red Bull is really starting to dominate and nobody can challenge them right now. Ferrari is a mess. They keep making mistakes week in and week out. We're going to get to our team report card in just a minute, but we're going to be heading to Silverstone in a couple of weeks for the British Grand Prix. And if you remember last season, Max Verstappen was coming off a victory in France and then back-to-back victories in Austria. And he had a commanding lead. He had a 32-point lead going into the weekend, 33 at the start of the Grand Prix because he picked up a point during the sprint race. So there were a lot of people that were thinking, all right, no, it's not over. This is a big lead, but, and Max is dominating, but Mercedes is still a strong team. There's going to be a number of circuits when we get into the second half of the season that are going to be Mercedes tracks. So this is not over by a long shot. Now, what happened at the British Grand Prix last season was Max was thrown off Cops Corner. Hamilton won the race and that tightened it up in one race. But does anybody think Ferrari is going to be able to mount this, the kind of challenge to Red Bull uh, towards the second half of the season right now? Right now. And I would say no. Look, Charles Leclerc had a great run. He was driver of the day. But the reason that he had to start at the back of the pack is because he needed an upgrade on the engine because it had failed in Baku and it had also failed in Barcelona. This team may, has made mistakes in pit stops. They gave him another slow pit stop. Right now, they are not looking like a championship contending team. They're going to need Red Bull to have some reliability issues on Max Verstappen's car. Now, Sergio Perez had some gearbox issues. He did not finish. Carlos Sainz came in second. Charles Leclerc came in fifth. But as long as Verstappen keeps winning races, this is all a mute point. There's, this, there's not going to be a championship fight. I think most of us, even going to Silverstone with a 32-point lead, kind of felt like Mercedes could get back into this, and we ended up with one of the greatest championship fights the sport has ever seen. I don't see that this year because I don't see a challenge, right? Mercedes is still too far back. The only challenge can come from Ferrari, and right now, the Scuderia are kind of a mess. They're kind of a mess, and I do hope I'm a Ferrari fan. I've said this many times in the podcast. That's the team I pull for. I've pulled for them for a very long time. But the reality of it is they're not championship contending right now. Doesn't mean they can't get their act together and start putting out some good results like they did at the beginning of the year. But Red Bull's got things dialed in right now. And if this thing keeps going, 
This thing's going to be decided by Singapore or Austin. I mean, I, that's the way this that we are right now, instead of going to Abu Dhabi for a championship fight. Now, before you think I'm all doom and gloom, I do think that there's a possibility that Ferrari can, things, can get things going again. But right now, they're not having reliability issues on that car. All right, so let's get to the team report, and we go over all 10 teams their weekend in Montreal and give you our thoughts. Let's start with Red Bull, because it was a rather easy weekend for Verstappen, winning from pole position, held off signs very well over those final laps after the safety car restart. It was a forgettable weekend, however, for Sergio Perez. He crashed during qualifying on Saturday and suffered the gearbox issue that cost him the, the, the race. It was really tough for him this weekend because just a few races ago, Monaco to be exact, where it was being discussed whether Perez should be considered in a championship contending light. And also remember, he was coming off P2 at Azerbaijan, but he got zero points in Canada. That does hurt his chances a bit. Ferrari, let's get to them because this could be considered a good day for the Scuderia given the circumstances. Sainz finished second. Leclerc moved up the field starting P20 to finish P5. Was it a win? No, but they haven't gotten one of those since round three in Australia, so let's not let's not go crazy here. But it was some points in the constructors race for Red Bull, given the DNF for Perez. Leclerc did have another slow pit stop, as I mentioned earlier. I don't know how many of those we've had from him this season, but it seems like a few. Uh, however, whenever you put a driver in the back of the grid, it's about limiting damage, and Ferrari did that. Mercedes, uh, it's a podium and a pair of top finishes for the Silver Arrows. Hamilton finally beating Russell on track. He gets a third-place finish, his first since the season opener in Bahrain. Russell started P8, ended up once again in the top five, and he had an extra pit stop to boot. Russell has been super consistent all season. We've been saying it all along. Seems that Mercedes has that car kind of dialed in much better than at any point in the year. That's good because we'll be heading to Silverstone, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the reception uh, both of these drivers are going to get back home. Russell said he really thinks that the race pace is near Red Bull and Ferrari for the first time this year. Alpine, double points for the team. Also, though, a very disappointing day. Fernando Alonso started P2. However, he couldn't jump ahead of Max at the start. Hey, that's a tough task anyway, but even for a world champion like Fernando Alonso. But he kept moving backwards. He found himself getting passed by Sainz and Hamilton. He ended up P9. He had to take a five-second penalty and moved him down the order for moving during braking. He said that from lap 20 onward, the car was having some engine issues and he couldn't really defend properly. As for Esteban Ocon, he had a nice P6 finish. He even helped Alonso because he got right ahead of him and kept the distance between him and Alonso within that second so Alonso could use DRS. That held off Valtteri Botas behind him. But movement while under braking penalty, that forced Alonso to drop from 7th to ninth. So double points for the team. It could have been a bit better, especially given the starting position for Alonso at the start of the Grand Prix. Alfa Romeo. Botas finished P7. Uh, he used hard tires at the start well enough, timed the safety car well enough, got to move up after the Alonso penalty. It was still a good result for the team because double points. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu finished P8, which was his best finish of his young career. He was able to overtake on a circuit that was relatively new to him. So Alfa Romeo got a good points haul for their efforts in Montreal. Haas. 
what a terrible Sunday for the team after incredible Saturday that saw both drivers get into Q3. Now, again, I'm an American broadcaster. I got a lot of friends who are now jumping into the Formula One pool and they're already attaching themselves to this American team. And boy, I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on social media, the genuine joy that these newbies in the Formula One world were getting when Haas had both drivers get to Q3 and were starting in pretty good shape in Montreal. A, we're really excited. Double points. Schumacher could get points for the first time in his career. And I'll be honest, I was pulling for it too. However, the Grand Prix was an absolute mess for Haas. Kevin Magnussen had damaged his front wing after racing with Hamilton and had to come in for a new nose, getting the black and orange flag. He ended up P17. But Mick Schumacher, man, poor Mick. He had to retire the car after power issue. Both drivers really liked the car at the start, and it was a shame that the team were held without any points. It's been four races since they got in any, and there was so much promise at the start of this season that they were going to be one of the strong midfield teams. And right now, they are continuing to struggle putting points on the board. It's a real shame, too, because last season, as we all know, two rookie drivers, a lost year for the team, all about 2022, developing for 2022. And when they came out that strong, you know, Nikita Mazepin is gone. They replace him with Kevin Magnussen, kind of a kind of a favorite. And he's getting points immediately. It looks like things are turning around for Haas. And right now they're sort of back in a position where they're not getting points. Really, really tough weekend for them. How about McLaren? No points for them either. Lando Norris finished P15 and Daniel Ricciardo was P11. Norris said that he didn't have the pace to overtake and needed an older power unit after suffering some issues on Saturday. Uh, he also was double stacked with a slow stop. Uh, he just lost so much time to make a move up the order. Ricardo had a slow stop that dropped him back outside the top 10, which he could not recover. Aston Martin. Now, Sebastian Vettel finished P12. Uh, he made a set of hard tires last 51 laps after he had to change in after an early stop because he had some early tire wear. So that second set, he really made last uh, in this Grand Prix, finishing P12. Lance Stroll, though, he ended up P10 in front of the home crowd. Good for him. Really strong finish after starting near the back. Uh, they were on a great strategy. They took their first set of tires as long as they possibly could. They only needed one stop. He drove with patience, was able to overtake Ricardo to get that final point position. So good for him. You know, it's been a long time since they raced in Canada and the Canadian getting a point. Good for him. Uh, Williams. While Stroll gave the home crowd a top 10 finish, Nicholas Latifi, the other Canadian, finished P16, which was aided by a slow pit stop, but also because he's terrible. I'm sorry. He is. I'm sorry. He got all the support from the Canadian fans and he deserves that. And it had been pretty emotional for both him and Stroll to be back after such a long time away uh, because of the pandemic. But this result is not any different than any other this season for Nicholas Latifi. He finished back of the back all the time. That's where he finishes. As for Alex Albon, he ran 13th after racing in the top 10, but couldn't keep that pace up and was soon being passed. All right, finally, AlphaTauri, uh, Pierre Gasly finished outside the points, P14 for him. Yuki Tsunoda, who had to take a grid penalty as well, starting near the back with Charles Leclerc, had to leave after going to the barriers on cold tires. Gasly had an issue with his car and could not be aggressive. He had an early pit stop, but struggled with grip all race. He didn't get any advantage due to the safety car. Sonoda, though, was able to move up the order after the power unit change, but the crash ended his day and any good progress that he had made uh, in the race. 
All right, so that's our team report. We do it after every single Grand Prix just to give you the rundown of all 10 teams that are on the grid. Now, we also do top five and bottom five from the previous Grand Prix, and we got to go back to Baku. Now, I unfortunately was on a business slash vacation trip. I had some business earlier in the week and then a vacation closing the week, so I didn't get to watch the Azerbaijan Grand Prix live like I always want to do. But thanks to F1 TV, I was able to watch it at my leisure. I also watched all the analysis, so I got a really good taste of what was going on. Unfortunately, we could not get to a studio, so our Azerbaijan Grand Prix review was not available. We also did not do a preview of the Canadian Grand Prix because of the business trip, but I think that's the last one. So we should have previews and reviews all the way through to the end of the season. So we got that. We're going to get that under control. So thank you for your patience through all of that. All right. So let's get to the top five and bottom five from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. I'm going to start with the bottom five first, moving all the way up from five all the way to number one. We're going to start with number five and it's Yuki Sonoda. Really, this is more of a too bad placement here because he had a busted wing, which hurt his DRS mechanism and forced him to pit. And they had to use some gaffer tape to repair the wing, um, which kind of looked funny on TV, but he couldn't use DRS the rest of the way. He's like, no DRS, no DRS. He had started P8, good Saturday for him, just ahead of Lewis Hamilton on the grid. It was looking like a really, really good weekend, but he finished 13th. So again, this is more of a too bad placement in the bottom five for Yuki Sonoda because it was just disappointing. Number four, Lance Stroll. He crashed in qualifying. He had to start P19. He made some effort to get up in the order, but in the end, he had to retire the car due to some vibration issues. So a very tough day for Lance Stroll. Had a bad Azerbaijan Grand Prix last season. Remember, blew a tire down that stretch, and uh, his day was cut short. Uh, Max Verstappen would soon follow with a blown tire. Remember all the Pirelli controversy? So uh, back-to-back retirements for Lance Stroll at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Number three, Kevin Magnussen. Another too bad situation here as well, because Hostin has really, as I said earlier, has not really lived up to the early season success. Magnussen didn't start great anyway. He was P16 on the grid, but it's another race without points. And it's starting to make people think like the early season success was more of an exception to the rule than what the team is actually doing. It's great to see Magnussen get his Formula One ride back after they parted ways with Nikita Mazepin. But the team, who showed a lot of bright moments, uh, has got some disappointing results, including what happened at the Canadian. Grand Prix. So Kevin Magnuson is three on our bottom five from Baku. Number two, this is a team one. This is Alfa Romeo. Zhou Guan Yu could have gotten points in that race. He suffered a mechanical issue. He had to retire the car. He was none too pleased about that one. Uh, he had started P14, had the car running well before an issue. Teammate Valtteri Botas was outside the points as well, finishing P11. But the number one bottom five from Baku, you know it, it's Ferrari. Charles Leclerc started from Paul yet again at Azerbaijan. Carlos Sainz was P4 at the start of the race, and both didn't finish. Eight laps in, Sainz was out due to a mechanical issue. The same thing happened to Charles Leclerc after 21 laps when he took the lead when Verstappen had boxed for tires. This can't keep happening for the team if they want to make a run at either the Drivers' Championship or the Constructors. They have to have better results in these races. Every single weekend, there's some sort of problem, whether it's small, like uh, double stacking that leads to Charles Charles Leclerc not winning in Monte Carlo or dramatic like Baku where engine malfunctions cause both drivers to DNF and Charles Leclerc DNFing in Barcelona. Remember after Australia when Ferrari looked unbeatable? Now they not only look beatable, they look very beatable because they keep making mistakes. Their engines aren't working right. Their pit stops are lousy. They better get their act together and they head into uh, Silverstone in a couple of weeks. All right, let's get to the good stuff because this is the top five from Baku and we're going to start with five all the way to number one. 
one. And ah, number five, Daniel Ricardo. I have been hard on Danny Rick this season and for good reason. But you know what? You got to give credit when he deserves it, and he deserves it. He had good pace, had the car in fourth place at one point. He was eventually passed by Pierre Gasly. He ended up P8. He gained points for the team, and he knew he had a better race pace than his teammate, Lando Norris, who also had a very good Grand Prix for McLaren. So Daniel Ricciardo, five on our top five. Number four, that's Pierre Gasly. A great run for the AlphaTauri driver. Qualified sixth, finished fifth for his best result of the season. Had the car in fourth after Leclerc was out behind George Russell, made a nice pass of Ricardo for position. He had the best finish of any driver, not with Red Bull or Mercedes, so sort of the best of the rest at Baku. Number three, and that's Sebastian Vettel. He spun off the circuit when he was battling early for position with Esteban Ocon. That dropped him back of the pack, fought his way back, finishing P6, and that is the best finish for the team this season. And by the way, since their upgrade at Barcelona, Aston Martin's been running pretty well. It's, it, you know, it's it's a lot better than it was at the beginning of the season. Remember, Vettel had COVID, so he wasn't in the car and, and had to get used to it when he got to Australia. But nevertheless, the, the, the team's been a lot better since the engine upgrade in Barcelona. Number two, George Russell. It's getting to be a broken record, so forgive me. And I'm going to say this every podcast, so get used to it. It's another top five finish for the Mercedes driver. He finished on the podium in Azerbaijan with, in a, with a third place finish. And what a season this has been. It's, it's been so great. Uh, he's already a superstar. His reception at Silverstone, it was great when he was driving for Williams in an uncompetitive car. It's going to be fantastic when he takes this Mercedes, which has gotten a lot better to Silverstone in front of that British crowd. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a big George Russell fan. I pulled for him all those years at Williams to just please get a point. I think he wears his emotions out there. I think he's a fantastic driver, of course, but I just, I genuinely like George Russell. I'm glad he got the Mercedes dried and I'm glad he's making the most of it. All right. And of course, number one in top five, it's Red Bull Racing. It's both guys. Sergio Perez, he's a master at Baku, even though he was running with Force India those years. He took the lead from Charles Leclerc right from the start. He ended up piece two behind Max Verstappen, who got the victory. Another one two finish for the team who were just super quick all weekend long in Azerbaijan. Good for them. Uh, Red Bull Racing once again winning. And they have won now with the Canadian Grand Prix. The team has won the last six Grand Prix as we head to Great Britain. All right, so that's our review of the Canadian Grand Prix. Next week, we'll have our preview of the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, one of my favorite Grand Prix weekends of the year. I'm, I love Silverstone. Absolutely love it. I love the circuit. I love the atmosphere. I love everything about it. If there's a bucket list of Grand Prix I'd like to attend in the future, uh, Silverstone would be right up there. I'd love to get to Monte Carlo, but, you know, hey, they might not even be a Monaco Grand Prix down the road. But Silverstone is, and the British Grand Prix, is one of the bucket list items that I'd love to attend at some point in my lifetime. Uh, well, we'll have that preview for you coming up next week. Again, reminder, please subscribe to the podcast and please, if you can share it with other formula one fans, especially if you are in the United States and you're brand new to it, no shame in that. I know that you're going to get a lot of people saying I've been following it for 30 years, no shame in becoming a new formula one fan. I welcome you with a complete and open arms into the formula one community, especially in the United States, but no matter where you're listening around the world, we really do appreciate it. So please like subscribe, give us a five-star review, share 
share it with friends. Help us promote this because it has been a real labor of love for me to do this. My name is Tony Desiri. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony D Radio. I host a morning show for Sports Map Radio Network uh, Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We also have a Facebook page for the Overtake F1 podcast. You can like us there um, and follow us there. Leave a, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Until next week, and everybody, get ready for the British Grand Prix coming up in early July. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 podcast. <laughs>